to this edition of Poet Kind Podcast. This is episode nine, and today we're excited to share with you that in addition to our regular features, we're adding Poet Talk to our lineup. Poet Talk will feature one-on-one interviews, the occasional panel with poets, writers, and other creatives, and we'll talk about process, share work, answer your questions, and maybe even have a little fun along the way. So without further ado, we're going to dive into our first interview, and we'd like to welcome Christy Lambert. We've shared Christy's work on a previous episode and decided that we liked it so much we wanted to invite her on the podcast. Christy is a self-described, small-town Southern writer who tries to find a little wonder in every day. Her work can be found in the Boston Literary Review, Emerge Literary Journal, Everyday Poets, Presser Poets, and the Love 146 Anthology. Welcome, Christy. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's such an honor to be a part of your podcast. I've loved listening to your episodes so far. And um, one of the reasons is because I feel that same um, attention in you that you are looking for the small things in life that are beautiful. And I think poetry is one of the ways we do that. Um, So I'm really excited to talk to you today. Thanks, Christy. Um, I think that that uh, sharing your work here on Poet Kind um, has gotten a great response. I think people really connected with the first poem of yours that that we shared a couple weeks back. Um, And I think we I think that was called Where You Left the Wonder. That's right. Yeah. And I I thought that was a great introduction to your work. Um, Being a Southern writer, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's something about Southern writers. Uh, The first thing that comes to mind is, you know, the Southern Gothic literature. Uh, Are you influenced at all by that? You know, the ones that come to mind are like Flannery O'Connor almost immediately. Right. Um, What are your feelings on that? I obviously read Flannery O'Connor and some of the the standard um, Southern writers growing up and through English classes and things like that. Um, I think one of the good things about having that as a resource is that it sort of gave me permission, if that makes sense, to to bring in the environment that I grew up in and Mm -hmm. to look at it as a part of not only who I am, but the things that I do write, um, that it's okay to include all of those things, that there's nothing too small. And that the things that we know best, those familiar pieces of our lives, they matter. And it's, um, they matter to other people and it's our perspective. So I think those writers definitely gave me permission to look around and go, okay, I I can write about this, you know, it's okay. Um, It doesn't have to be like, you know, some fancy far away land that I'm trying to figure out how to convey. Like I can write about home. And so that's, that's yeah. Um, Are there any, there's a poet that comes to mind, um, a Southern poet that I think of when I've read your, the pieces that you submitted to Poet Kind, uh, before I mention his name, do you have any like specific Southern poets that influence your work or any poets in general that, that influence your work? 
Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, I think that some of the biggest influences for me um, might be a little bit surprising. Um, so Raymond Carver, I don't know if you're familiar with his work. He was one of I recognize the name. Yeah, he's a little bit more well known for his short stories. Um, okay. But when I first started reading his work, he he says so much um, with a few lines. Like, it's just one of those things where you read it and you recognize yourself in it. And mm-hmm. it doesn't even necessarily, like, make logical sense. But there's just something there in how he sees the details of the world that really um, resonates with me. Um, so I... I know that he's influenced my work. I love Mary Oliver. I love her attention to nature. I love the way she sees the world. I love how she acknowledges nature and uses that so much in her work. Um, That was another time I saw a writer and read her work and thought, okay, so my, my obsession with trees and birds and the sky, like that's okay too. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Cause I love the way that she just, sees things and then helps us to see it too. That's a, that's a really awesome thing to me. Um, another poet that comes to mind is Scott Cairns. Okay. He, He writes a lot about faith and everyday life and, and just the process of being in the world with your, with your people. And I really enjoy his work as well. Um, and I like the way he includes his fate so naturally because it's just a part of who he is. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think those are the first three that jump into my mind. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Now you, you bring up an important uh, part of your writing and that's your faith. Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, How does that, how does that help you see things? Does that contribute to the element of wonder for you? I know that sounds like a basic concept, but um, I write from a a faith perspective too, but my work takes a little bit different take on that. So Mm -hmm. what does that allow you to express about your faith that you might not like in everyday conversation? Right. Talk. I think it influences everything um, because it, in such a big way, it's um, how I see the world. And because I believe that the world has been created and that every single person in it is a work of art in themselves, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it causes me to want to see those beautiful things. And it causes me to want to make sure that I don't, that I don't miss it, if that makes sense. Because when I'm writing, um, it slows me down mm-hmm. and helps me to really be present in mm-hmm. whatever my life is at that moment or whatever that is I'm looking at. Um, and it brings me back to that point of gratefulness that I'm here at all, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yes, so true. So I think that Um, is definitely a big part of my search for wonder and for beauty. 
yeah, that that makes a lot of sense when you say that it gives you a chance to slow down and pay attention. Mm -hmm. um, I think it part of the process for writing that slowing down that that attention to uh, detail to wonder mm -hmm. um, is essential for for a lot of writers, and um, which bring which is a great segue into talking about process. Um, I, one of the things that when I invited you to be on the podcast is that I wanted you to share a couple of pieces. Okay. And um, because process is, is a question that comes up frequently. Um, I think people love to um, hear about other writers process because there's something magical that happens. Um, and you want to kind of get a glimpse into how they think. Mm -hmm. And I'd like you to maybe talk a little bit about your process and also maybe perhaps share a work with us that, that um, your process was particularly challenged or that it really um, was, it, it had an extra element to it that made the poem that much more important because the process it took to get there. Sure. I can definitely talk a little bit about that process is, <laughs> it can be tricky um, because the goal is to get words down on that page. Um, and I think that I have this ideal in my head of being able to get up early every morning and have an hour or two just to sit down and write. And that does not happen every day. <laughs> um, I have... Because real life exactly. right um and I have three kids and so school mornings especially we are <laughs> it is a great feat to just get everyone out the door with matching shoes on <laughs> or shoes on exactly. at all <laughs> this morning my daughter was wandering around the house looking for her glasses and it's like, um, that's a pretty essential thing to have no idea where you put it. Right. <laughs> anyway. Um, but I think what I've had to come to peace with is that your practice can evolve with whatever your season is. And so if you are, you know, working a later shift in the day, then you have that time in the morning to fit things in. If you have kids, then it might be like right now, <laughs> basically what I have to do is I keep Google docs on my phone. And in those little extra moments of carpool waiting in line or just in, you know, in a waiting room with the appointments, wherever I can find those extra moments, I try to grab it. And okay. yeah. And so that doesn't always give me a, I feel like I'm a very slow writer. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a lot of time to get through an actual full draft of a poem, but as long as okay. I'm keeping at it, it'll get there. And I have to kind of give myself that grace sometimes to let it be in, you know, just depending on my schedule. Um, right. So, but again, the important thing is taking that time, like having that as a priority in your head that you, when you get that time, because sometimes procrastinating is also really easy for me. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I never do that. Do that here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a skill. It really is. Um, well evolved from a lot of us. Yeah. I think. 
<laughs> but to make that choice to put down the book because, you know, I love reading. And so that is something that, you know, is also a really important part of being a writer, but to not oh, use it as an escape when I'm supposed to be working because <laughs> that, yeah. that can happen. Um, but as far as the poems themselves, you know, it's funny because sometimes it'll just start with a phrase, like just something pops into my head and it catches my imagination and I want to go back to it or it's a feeling that I know I want to remember. And mm, yes. So I want to make sure that even if I'm just, you know, grabbing a random piece of paper out of my purse that I jot it down so I can come back to it and dig into it. Um, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like <laughs> it's funny because you can start with a phrase or an image or just something you want to convey in a moment. And it might take a little bit to really know what the poem is about. Like you can sort of have that stanza. And I know for me, like, I'll just sometimes stare at it. <laughs> and <laughs> sometimes I'll add a word here. I'll put a few lines after. And it feels like I have to let it breathe and develop into the actual idea of what I'm trying to say. Like sometimes it can take a while to get there and I have to give it that room okay. to sort of grow. To grow up a little yeah. bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So um, you mentioned a poem that maybe was a little bit more difficult with process. And there was um, one that I knew I wanted to write and I needed to write. But sometimes okay. those are the hardest kinds. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my grandfather passed away a few years ago. And he was sort of a larger than life figure to me he was a preacher and just so wise and so smart. And it was very difficult to go through that process of letting him go. Um, but we were so grateful. We had the time with him before we knew he was sick. And so we were given space and I'm really grateful for that. But I did want to, or I needed to, because, you know, as a writer, sometimes that's how you, process your life. Exactly. Um, so I wanted to write something about those moments. And with that poem, it probably, I think maybe the first lines I'd written down pretty soon after he passed away, but the rest of it, I mean, maybe a year even, like I just kept sort of coming back to it and I would add something and then leave it and come back to it again. So that was one, um, it was almost a line by line stanza by stanza deal because I, I just okay. had to kind of walk through it until I was ready to sort of say that, okay, I, this is what I wanted to say. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I can read that one for you if that sounds okay. That would be, that would be wonderful. All right. Go ahead ready. Okay. So, um, the title is whole note rest. You'd craved nothing for so long, but you asked for an icy. The spoon shook in my hand as I lifted it to your lips. Your voice of deep thunder was scratched, worn vinyl, faded and scruffed an unforeseen decrescendo of years. 
You held my hand like a love letter. You never held it like that when time was still between us. But your eyes were the same. They still knew everything. You let me speak, but there were no words to unwind regret, to make what had never been enough now sustain. You fell asleep with fingers fixed around mine. I would have sat there forever. My hand understood empty when it let yours go. I drove west into the sunset while you walked out of sight. I never said goodbye. So wow, that is that is a, a powerful um, distillation of imagery and also emotion. Is it just a beautiful piece? Thank you. It was tough to write, but um, I really did just want to. I wanted to remember. I, I think you did an absolutely spectacular job. Um, and w- by explaining a little bit of your process and how long it took, um, I think it, the expression of your words was so specific and so um, full of provocative emotion mm-hmm. that I, it's, it's clearly not something that could be at least I don't think written off the cuff, you know, just like, Oh, I had this idea. Um, There's thoughtful meditation in there. And it just, it just adds a level of depth to it. That's really, really wonderful. Thank you for sharing that one. Oh, thank you for letting me share it. Um, You mentioned before that, um, that you like to read. And I think anybody who writes has that affliction. Um, (laughs) It's a a beautiful affliction to have. It is. Uh, and I don't know about, about you, but my nightstand really, it's either completely hidden by books or I try, <laughs> try to hide the fact that I have so many books there that I put them on the floor by my bed. And then I'm always surprised when I come around the corner. It's like, oh, oh <laughs> Susan, I do the same thing. <laughs> I have little stacks sort of in little corners and crevices everywhere. And my husband is like, why, where do these come from? They are growing. They're growing. And it's like, you know, I always try to be the first one to the mailbox because if (laughs) if I don't get there and my husband comes in with a package in his hand, I always get this look from him. (laughs) Another one. Right. Like, are there books left in the world? How? (laughs) Oh, exactly. Definitely. You're a kindred spirit. That's wonderful. Um, Reading contributes a great deal to your writing process, um, or at least it does for me, but I'm curious if you have a process for reading and and this kind of maybe a a backwards question, Um, but there's something that I do that I'm curious if I'm like the only crazy person in the world. So I'm going to ask you about your reading process. Is there something um, in how you read a book or how you read poetry that helps you absorb it or process it that and and then in a sense you know flows out into your work does that question make sense to you at all um I think so um the way that I read to really absorb and pay attention to what is in front of me is with a pen or a pencil in my hand okay um I I'm a big note taker 
and I underline and I star things and I sort of have almost a dialogue with the page, especially poetry. Like with a novel, I can just dive in. And if I see a beautiful line that makes me stop, I'll go, oh, I don't want to forget that. And I'll jot it down somewhere. Um, but with poetry, especially, I feel like it's more of an interactive conversation almost. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if that's quite answering the question. No, it does. It do, I'm sitting here smiling. It does answer the question because um, I had I have books that that I I should delineate somewhere in my will that they're to be destroyed immediately <laughs> after I've gone because I don't necessarily want somebody to see just how crazy I was because I'm writing. I have I have one book and. I'm ashamed to admit it's a, a Mary Oliver book, not because it's a Mary Oliver book, but that I had the audacity to write all over her book, <laughs> um, reading through it. And so many, like those aha moments, um, one after another, it's like the synapses were firing. So I had this conversation with her. Right. No, I, I think that's amazing. And um, so, yeah, it's nice to know that I'm not the only person that does that. No. And honestly, I have two thoughts on that. One is as a writer, like, I just can't think of a greater gift than to know that whatever I am saying is sparking something in someone else, you know? Yeah. So I think yeah. that, I think Mary Oliver would probably be happy with that. <laughs> and, and, I'd like, well, thank you for that. That yeah. makes me feel a bit better. <laughs> Um, but also I love that because when you go back and reread, because I don't know if you do this, but I will have books. I mean, even ones from childhood that I obsessively just go back to again and again. And yeah. to be able Isn't to, it, it's almost break like in here. Oh, can I break in a second? You, you brought up something and sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, you're fine. Books that you go back to and read again and again, even from childhood. What, what are those just out of curiosity? Oh man, <laughs> this is a big list. Okay. Oh, well, uh, pick two, pick two. Oh no. Okay. You know, when you're a book lover, it is hard to narrow things down sometimes. <laughs> I know. That's mean, isn't it? Okay. So especially probably thinking childhood era, I loved um, Madeline Lingle's books, A Wrinkle in Time. Mm -hmm. I loved all of hers. And, okay, I'm torn here. Um, probably the Anne of Green Gables series. Oh, oh yay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I oh, love, sorry, you broke up a little bit there. Oh, I, no, I, I love the fact that you're an Anne of Green Gables fan. Oh, completely. <laughs> so much she, those books, I love them so much. I made a tradition for myself to read the whole series every summer when I was oh. a kid. So for several years in a row, I would just reread the whole series so happily sitting outside on the swing. Um, you know, I, I think those are the things that kind of helped shape my perspective a little bit too of the world and, you know, the way Ellen Montgomery used imagination and so I, it sparked something in me that has stayed. <laughs> That's great. I can, I can just picture it. Um, I have to be honest. I did not read Ellen Montgomery until I was older. And then I was obsessed. Oh, so good. 
and just go back over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Have you read the Emily trilogy? I, yes, I have. Um, It's been been a few years, but um, I have in one of my crazy bookshelves, I have all my books um, alphabetized my own little library to certain things when I need to find it. But uh, I have a little section that's all just hers. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I would like to have you read one more piece if you don't mind. And it's River Birth. Um, I love this piece. Um, Thank you. It just resonated with me the first time I read it. And, um, and I just, I I think I, with the first line, um, without giving anything away, you conjured up imagery for me. I, um, at one point, lived in Mississippi. Okay. So when you talk about kudzu, right. (laughs) Kudzu draped. I was there like instantaneously, um, atmospherically, visually. And I think that the whole piece itself is just really lovely. So if you wouldn't mind reading that for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love that you know about the kudzu. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so it is called River Birth, and I'll just jump right in. Honeysuckled child climbs shadows of kudzu-draped oaks. Trees who don't mind the presumption rustle their tails at noonday. River's red mud cakes the soul in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. One shoe lost with the flesh. Whiskered catfish take it for an altar. Brown eggs warm in Papa's basket. Beans split into bounty between child's fingers. Give these offerings with wide open hands. Can the moonbeams in mason jars. Hens mourn, but lay again in rhythm and rupture. Child digs at roots and swallows a seed. From the lips, blossoms rapture. A star burns for each soul in constellation. Father counts them still. Wild, verdant season in the bottom of the sky. Just another beautiful piece. Um... Like I said, the the imagery, um, it's an odd thing when you feel like you can actually be in an environment when you're reading a piece, not just as a reader, but um, almost a kinesthetic experience. Um, And then to also see it from an outside perspective. And I think that's what happens because, I don't know, how do you feel about that take on it? Uh, it brings me so much joy to hear you say that. Um, I, I love that it kind of does help you to feel like you're there um, because, you know, you as a writer, like sometimes you're just writing because it's what you love to do. But to have other people come into that with you and it almost in that way, it becomes a shared experience. And I think that's awesome. Like the writers that I love helped me to see the world in a new way or to notice things I wouldn't have seen on my own. And so to think yeah. that maybe a line or a piece that I write can help someone else maybe notice something or remember something or feel something. I mean, that's the greatest gift. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, I just, 
I just really appreciate you taking the time to share a little of your your process, to share your work with us, because there's something to me that I enjoy hearing um, a writer share their own words, because you can read something, but when it is spoken aloud by the author, you there's a different cadence often and a different way to absorb the words. So I just really appreciate you being willing to, to share with us here at Poet Kind. And um, yeah, thank you, Christy. It was an absolute delight to have you here. And I look forward to uh, maybe crossing paths in the future, having you back on the broadcast or um, just seeing what you do. Thank you so much for the chance to come and talk to you. I loved getting to know you a little better and it's always fun to talk about um, all of my favorite things with people who love them too. So I really appreciate the chance. Great. Thank you again, Christy. Thank you. Christy and her work can be found on her website at www.sobeloved.me on Instagram at clam and on Twitter at cdlam. She's also on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash sobelovedme. That's it for this week's episode of Poet Kind Podcast and Poet Talk. Thank you for joining us, and let's continue the conversation on social media. You can find us at Poet Kind Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We like to keep things simple, so those are the only places you'll find us. You can also connect with us via email at poetkindpodcast at gmail.com. We're currently accepting submissions for opportunities such as feature segments, poet talk, and book reviews. Drop us a quick note via email and we'll send you our easy-peasy submission guidelines. We're also interested in what you're interested in. Want to recommend a poet or a book or writer or a theme for the week? We're all in. Just share your ideas with us. Lastly, did you know that Poet Kind is listener supported? We're just getting started and you can help us grow with your monthly subscription support. Our supporters receive behind the scene newsletters, access to giveaways, unpublished material, and are in the know about what's ahead for Poet Kind. You can visit anchor.fm backslash poetkindpodcast and click on the support button. You can also show us some love by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks again. And have a great week. And until next time, read good poetry and write great poetry.